Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace Fellowship Church. We're glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? Well, today's going to be a fun day. It's a celebratory kind of a day. Uh, We're going to get to hear a lot about what the Lord is doing through Grace Fellowship Church and in the world. If you have been here for a while, you know that that we're in the middle of a series uh, about the kingdom of God. And actually, we're, we're past the middle. Today's the last Sunday for that series. And so we've been spending a f- uh, five weeks or so, I think, uh, talking about what the kingdom of God is like. And I want to spend a few minutes here at the beginning. For those of you that are new with us, maybe in the last week or two, here's what you've missed. Here's a few key points that stood out to me over the last month of this uh, series on the kingdom of God. Here's the first thing, and I think these will come up on your screen there. First thing, Mark 1.15 reminds us, Jesus spoke here. He said, the time has come. He said that Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. The good news of the gospel that he's trying to get across to his early believers. This Mark chapter 1, near towards the beginning of his ministry, he's trying to get them to see that something new has come. And it's all because of him and what he is trying to do in the world and is still doing to this day. Secondly, Next slide. God's kingdom is everywhere. His rule and his reign are experienced. Uh, sorry, I'm going to have to change that slide. God's kingdom is everywhere. His rule and reign are experienced. And he invites us to be citizens of that kingdom. We're going to take that comma out there for the second service. So this is our definition here that Joel kind of shared with us as we began. That what is the kingdom of God? It's everywhere that his rule and his reign are experienced. And he invites us to be a part of that, as citizens in his kingdom. Here in Kingsport, Tennessee, and across the world, wherever his rule and his reign is experienced. And that includes your home. Even includes your home. Next thing. We live in an already but not yet kingdom. We talked about this a few months ago or a few weeks ago as well. The kingdom of God is now, it is present, and we can experience the benefits of God's kingdom on earth, but it's a not yet kingdom as well. The full benefits will not be experienced until we are in heaven eternally with him, especially in the new heavens and the new earth, when his kingdom is fully manifested, fully flourishing, and we fully get to experience what it means to live in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is kind of a two-part thing. It's an already, we can experience it now, but the best is yet to come. Next slide. God is patient, but we are expected to produce fruit in his kingdom. Not just people on staff for a church, not just people that are involved in some kind of nonprofit or ministry or, or missionary work around the world. 
we are all ex- expected to produce fruit as part of being in his kingdom. Once you are a follower of Jesus and you have repented and trusted in him for your salvation, you are a part of his kingdom and he expects you to produce fruit in that kingdom, to help his kingdom to grow and mature and flourish. Next slide. In the kingdom, Kyle talked about this, our youth pastor, the kingdom involves your entire family. There's something unique when you have a mother and a father that are believers, and they're training their kids up to be a part of the kingdom of God, it involves that entire family. There's something special and unique about that. Whether your kids are believers yet or not, they might still be infants. They might be adult children, but still there's something within that family unit that God is blessed and God is using to be a part of his kingdom of God and to see his reign and rule flourish eventually in their lives as well and in your family. Next slide. A couple of verses that we have emphasized here. This one's from Luke chapter 13. It says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's small, but it grows and develops over time. Next slide. It's also like yeast, Jesus said. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. The kingdom of God is expanding. The kingdom of God is meant to be growing. The kingdom of God has always been doing that around the world. And there's a little bit of a wave with that. There's ups and downs within his kingdom. There's times where it's flourished in some parts of the world, and now it's not. There's times when it was flourishing more in the United States, but there's certain areas where it's sinking and it's dropping. There's certain areas in the states where it's growing. There's certain areas around the world where it's flourishing and exploding. You're going to hear a little bit about that coming up later today. But the kingdom of God is meant to grow and develop and expand at all times, and he wants us to play a part in that. The last thing, next slide. Uh, and I've just kind of shared that the kingdom of God is advancing. Go on to the last one. God's kingdom is the only one that will endure eternally. There's a lot of so-called kingdoms in the world. Sports-related, music-related, business-related, people that think of themselves in those areas like a kingdom, but there's only one that's going to endure eternally. And what you do as we're expected to produce fruit in this kingdom, what we do in that will live eternally. The little things you do, that little Bible story that you read to your kid night after night, even though you thought they weren't paying attention, it will endure eternally. The little things, the grand things that we do will endure internally. That's all part of God's kingdom. Now, um, let me talk to you a little bit, give you a big picture of you, especially for those of you that are new with us, big picture of you of what the kingdom of God looks like here at Grace Fellowship Church, and in the way specifically that we are called to equip the saints for the work of service in that kingdom. That's what all church leaders across the world are called to do. We're called to equip you for the work of service. 
So here's the big picture of how we think through that here at Grace Fellowship Church. Next slide. Uh, keep going. There we go. So first of all, we think of uh, what our responsibility is in building you up in terms of your character. That's you getting to know Jesus and becoming like Jesus. Getting to know Jesus and being changed by Jesus. We rotate through these classes every two years. That's part of our plan. We're gonna, we offer a Bible overview class. We did that last spring. Apologetics, spiritual disciplines, a theology class that we did um, this, uh, this past fall. We just finished the apologetics class this spring. And then this summer, we're offering a Hearing God class a class on how to know when God is speaking to you and what he's sharing with you through his spirit, how to understand his will and the kind of difficult murky areas of that relationship with Jesus that we have and how do we kind of understand what the spirit is saying to us and how he's working through us in our lives. That's a hard thing to discuss, but we want you to know because it's part of your role in the kingdom of God is how to understand and get directions from him on what to do with your life. So that starts on June 11th, I believe. Uh, you can sign up for that out there here in the hallway or on our, uh, the calendar portion of our app. Uh, there's a couple books we're going to be uh, using as a part of this that you're welcome to buy. Uh, they're 10 bucks a piece. You don't have to have them, but we're going to have copies of them for you. Uh, one's called uh, Hearing God by Dallas Willard, and one's called um, Whisper by Mark Batterson. So those are going to be kind of the two things that we use to pull that from. In the fall, we'll offer a financial discipleship class for you as well. That's part of us, again, helping you to know Jesus better and to be changed to be more like Jesus. But there's a third part. It's being on mission with Jesus. And so being on mission in Jesus is the strategy behind what we do in what we call J-Term. Every year, we offer J-Term classes during the J months of the year, January, and June. And those classes, go to the next slide, please. Those classes are meant to help you understand your calling as part of being on mission in the kingdom of God. These are all things that, that help the kingdom of God to expand and to move and to grow. And so we offer, the, we rotate through these classes or experiences that we want to put you through to help you with your calling about understanding about prayer and fasting, where God is moving the most in the world seems to have a lot to do with where there's a lot of prayer and fasting going on. So we talk about that. Um, we're going to have a spiritual gifts class this summer to help you understand what your gifting is because you've been given at least one spiritual gift, maybe two, to help advance his kingdom. Now, we offered this about three years ago, what we do this summer uh, in J-Term which is June 5th, 6th, and 7th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. We're going to be meeting in here. We're all going to experience this together. And uh, we're going to be talking about not just your spiritual gift, because some of you I know, you know what your spiritual gift is. But we're going to be doing a little bit more than that. And we're going to be listening some, to some, some teaching by Chip Ingram, a pastor from out in California, who's going to help us think through some things about the way we're designed. There's a, a, a test that you can take on, uh, that you'll find out more about over the next couple Sundays. Uh, to help you understand your bigger design greater than just your spiritual gift, okay? Um, uh, by the way, for the spiritual gifts, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, uh, Ashley's going to be talking about that with that same stuff 
for kids age three through elementary school because they need to know that they are designed in a unique way as well. And so bring your kids out for that Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday night. You can sign your kids up if you need child care for your zero ones and twos or you know your kid's going to be here ages three through elementary. Sign them up out there in the hallway so that she'll know and she can plan for that. We also took you, take you through um, a culture experience about understanding the culture in which we live in. That's important for being able to advance God's kingdom. Then we took you through, we trained people on how to evangelize. That's our blessed strategy. See if you remember what this, these, this acronym stands for. What's B? Begin with prayer. What's the L? Listen. What's the E? Eat. What's the S? First S. Serve. And then what's the last S? Share. That's what Jesus did when he was on the earth for those years, three and a half years. He began with prayer. He listened to people's stories. He ate with people. He served them, and then he shared about the kingdom with them. If it worked for Jesus, why wouldn't it work for us? And then Jesus shepherded his 12 disciples, and we take you through trainings on how to shepherd other people. And then the last part is understanding what God is doing in the world. Because one of the last things Jesus said to his, his disciples was, take this gospel and take it with you and share it in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we, Jesus calls us to have a global perspective and to play a part in advancing the kingdom globally. So we offer these strategically to help you understand how God has designed you and to help you understand how to play a role in advancing his kingdom. So today, we're going back to our global missions J-term that we did in January. And then a few weeks ago, if you remember, we had you fill out a participation card in, in what ways you were engaged in global missions across the earth. And today we're going to celebrate those things. And you're going to have a variety of people come up on stage and share about what they're doing and what's happening in their families in terms of global missions. So uh, before we get to that, though, I want to show you a few slides. Here's the results of what you put down on those participation cards, okay? And the numbers that you're going to see up here are minimums. We know not everybody was here that Sunday to fill out these cards, so we know there's a lot more stuff going on than what we can, can show you. But we wanted to show you graphically kind of what's happening globally in Grace Fellowship Church. First of all, we have reached into at least 31 different countries. Let me share with you what those are. Um, well, actually, I'm going to do that on the next slide. We have 21 organizations, at least 21 organizations that we're involved in. Listen to these names. Samaritan's Purse, World Challenge, Hope to the World, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, Compassion International, Kairos Prison Ministry International, Operation Christmas Child, Concerns Christians in Afghanistan, the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons, Open Doors, Campus Crusade, World Vision, World Help, World Orphans, Nexus International, African Inland Mission, Youth with a Mission, for All Mankind Mission, InterServe, and Global Outreach International. That's just a minimum. Isn't that exciting? Give, yourself, give yourselves a hand for that. And at a minimum, we're sponsoring at least 20 missionaries across the world. Okay, next slide. Here's what that looks like. Those countries that we're involved in, 
uh, everything that you see there um, that uh, is in white are the countries that we are doing, that you all are doing work in. Not Grace Fellowship Church, you all are doing work in. And there's the country's flags there on the right side. And so uh, the countries are Morocco, Honduras, South Africa, Thailand, India, Japan, Mexico, Colombia, Egypt, Myanmar, Spain, Indonesia, the Philippines, Afghanistan, El Salvador, Thailand, Russia, North Korea, China, Brazil, Mozambique, Hungary, India, Uganda, Peru, Rwanda, Burkina Faso, Togo, Kenya, Ghana, Papua New Guinea, South Africa, Ethiopia, and Nicaragua. How about that? That's what you all are doing. That's what you all are doing in the world. Here's a couple other slides, real quick. Based on what you filled out, there's at least 43 people in our church that are praying. We know that these numbers are a lot higher, but but this is just what was filled out on the cards. People praying for for other countries. 30 people going on mission trips this year. 37 people giving to missions. Uh, 11 people or families welcoming missionaries back here and caring for them upon their return. 16 people encouraging others. Keep going to the next slide. 25 people who have adopted a missionary or a mission in other countries. Six, Six advocating for certain things. That means they're speaking out training other people about these missionary endeavors, 14 equipping, 35 people learning. That's great. That means they're reading magazines, they're looking at books, they're looking at websites, learning more about global missions, and 13 people that are helping to send as well. So all things to be excited about. Here's the next slide. Here's the variety of things that people in our church are doing. Some who are writing letters to prisoners in other countries. Some working with something called the Pan-African Academy of Christian Services. That's a great name. They do amazing things in Africa with uh, helping Christian surgeons there. Sponsoring sewing programs in India. Teaching their grandchildren about other countries and the unreached. Welcoming Ukrainian and African refugees. Equipping children about persecuted churches and our freedom to share about Jesus. Next slide. Giving to the International Fellowship of Christian and Jews, supporting an overseas college ministry, watching movies, listening to podcasts, reading magazines and e-books about missions, and then people using their extra bedrooms and guest houses for returning missionaries. That's all what people are doing here. It's a it's variety. Hopefully you see that. It's everybody doing their own way, their own gifting, using what God has gift, given them and gifted them with to make a difference in the world. So, uh, enough of listening to me speak. We got some great folks uh, that we want to come up here and let you share with them. So, Ashley, Ryan, and and Lauren, come on up here first. Grab one of these seats here. And come on up here. We're going to sit and chat for just a little bit. Because we want you to see what the kingdom of God looks like and the way people think through it. Uh, in their homes, in their lives, with their kids. We want to hear you to hear some of the stories about what's happening uh, in our church. And so uh, this is Ryan and Ashley McCullough. Uh, they're going to speak first. And so um, just tell us about some of the ministries that you support and, and how that came about. Yeah. Um, so I used to pastor in California. And when I was pastoring a church in California called University Park Church, uh, we had the opportunity to meet tons of ministries and people, but two really stood out. One was Remember New, and the other one is Plurway Ministry, which is now um, Engaged to Go. And so what was cool about 
Uh, remember New was a man named Carl Ralston. He's from Ohio. Uh, heard a story about a girl named New, and she had been um, put into the sex trafficking, sex trade, and no one had known what happened to her, but God laid it on his heart that he needed to find out. Mm. And so mm. he went to Thailand and searched her out and found her and rescued her. And in doing so, he realized, man, we have to do something about this. And so he started to research and find uh, areas that had a propensity towards the sex trade and sex trafficking. A lot of families are hurting and they sell their children to make up debt. And so he decided it's better for us to be able to prevent that from happening than to just rescue people from it. Sure. And so he decided that his ministry would be different in the idea of prevention. And so they go into these places and they find out from, from locals um, who is in danger. And then mm. they go and they give them uh, an opportunity to put their children into Remember New program where they are educated, they're, they live in a Christian home, and then they go all the way through college and then they wow. put them back into their community. And so that it is a revolving, um, just life-giving, uh, changing experience for the student as well as the uh, community as a whole. Sure. So they really care for them for a long time. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's a long-term thing. So, yeah, it's great. It's a great uh, thing. And then the other one is uh, Engage to Go, and I'll let Ashley share about that. So um, Engage to Go Ministries is a ministry that sends older parents, grandmas and grandpas, to raves. So raves are electronic music dance festivals. You may have heard about them. Um, And these grandmas and grandpas go into these raves. um, And one of the things that ravers do is ravers trade bracelets. They uh, they call them candy and they trade them with each other. Um, And so um, this ministry um, goes and at each rave, they will hand out more than 10,000 bracelets at each rave. Mm. Um, and you might recognize the colors. I know many of us have used the, the wordless book to share the gospel. So the colors of the beads, um, share the gospel. Sometimes they get the opportunity to share the gospel right there. Mm. Um, other times there's a website. Um, it takes the ravers to, um, plurway.com. So ravers go to raves because they're looking for plur. Plur stands for peace, love, unity, and respect. And that's what the ravers are looking for when they go to a rave. And what's sad is Satan offers them a false imitation version of peace, love, unity, and respect. Mm -hmm. But we know that those things are found in Christ and in Mm -hmm. his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if the kids go to the website, which thousands of them do, it walks them through the beads Mm -hmm. and shares the gospel with them. Um, And that's just the the top of it. But we have... um, people all over the United States uh, making these bracelets. Each bracelet is prayed over um, and, and made this weekend. Um, Engaged to Go Ministries is in Las Vegas. There are 500,000 kids attending this rave in Las Vegas this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a global ministry because the world comes to them. So mm-hmm. they go to Vegas. Last time they were in Florida a couple um, weeks ago, over 26 different countries they interacted and got to have conversations with kids from all mm-hmm. those. That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that, don't you, isn't it create, see how the spirit is creative and getting in the lost places you would think would have no gospel knowledge or witness. So that's amazing. So those are just a couple of the, the ministries that you all support. Why, is, why did this become important to you and your family? Yeah, so for Remember New, it was meeting Carl Ralston and just his heart. And he's just a normal guy who 
had a call on his heart and just followed what God was leading him to. And it ended up being this incredible, huge ministry that he never intended it to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just, it starts small, like you said, like the mustard seed and it just grows into something way grander than you could ever imagine. The same thing with Colleen and, and Plurway. Um, she was just in tasks from our County to go to a rave and find out what kind of drugs they're using and stuff for the County. And, uh, when she got there, she was appalled at what she saw. And she was like, man, this is crazy. We need to like, ministries need to be in here and so she starts searching online frantically to find a ministry that she could support that goes to raves and there weren't any and she was like "Uh uh-oh like (laughs) and that's when she started to feel the heaviness and the weight and the call on her own on her own heart Mm -hmm. and um started this ministry her husband was a plumber and then they just started doing this and it just grew and grew and grew and, and tons of people are getting involved now and they're seeing huge change one thing that was crazy for me as a pastor with Plurway um, engaged to go ministries now was that I, I was helping them. Like our church was like a little meeting spot where they would meet and sleep and rest during raves. Cause we were really close to where they had one. And, uh, they were like, Hey, can you guys help us with food? Cause they feed all the ravers for free at these events mm-hmm. as well when they have camps. And, um, so a lot of them don't bring food, so they supply food, and then that gives them opportunity and they serve it family style. So they sit at the table and talk to all these, uh, young people, Anyway, they um, they needed help with money to get the food and stuff. And so our church started supporting that. And then one day they were like, hey, could you go to the grocery store with us? We needed a vehicle to get there. And so I, I went with them, and uh, we bought all the groceries. And uh, they're like, could you drive us to the rave? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so I drove them to the rave, and then they're like, man, it would be nice if you could help us unload this stuff, right? And so I was like, well, I don't have a ticket. They're pretty sneaky, like, aren't they? Yeah. Pretty sly. She's like, we don't have a ticket. And I was like, uh, she's like, don't worry about that. God always gets us in the door no matter what. So we pull in the door, and she's like, these are not the missionaries you're looking for. And we just drove right in. Like, wow. security, they didn't even check our, our truck or nothing. They're just like, go ahead. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> but God it was makes pretty it awesome. But it's, uh, it's amazing to see how God works and just opens doors that you wouldn't think you could. I mean, it's a heavily secured place. It's a sure. concert, you know. Sure. But um, it's just crazy what he does to help them get in the door. Good. Can I add real fast? Yeah, just a little bit. I, I think just as a teacher, I, I have a heart for our young. You know, we're losing a lot of our youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are being taught in schools and raised to think that they are an accident, that there's mm-hmm. no purpose and that they, um, there's no reason for their life. And so you can see um, in these kids that they interact with at the rave that that's what they think. They think that there's nothing, mm-hmm. um, nothing meaningful, no purpose for their life. And um, they are starving for it. And so um, we need to go to them. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. All right, Lauren, so you got uh, a couple boys at home. And so how are you engaging the idea of missions in your family? What does that look like for you all? Um, don't write anything on a card if you don't want Andy to invite you to come up to the front at church. <laughs> no. So we have... We're all a, a little bit sneaky. Um, you are sneaky. They're very sneaky. Um, we have a 10 and a 5-year-old, both boys at home, and we teach them about missions in a couple of different ways. So probably the biggest one for our kids, the way that we engage them, is through Compassion International. So Compassion International, you can sponsor kids. 
And it's a great ministry. There's an app on your phone. You can write letters back and forth and send them pictures. It's really easy. And so we hear from our kids. Um, we pray for our kids by name. So our kids' names are Samuel, Juan Carlos, Mintesanat, and Hamdia. And so at night we pray for them and our kids know their names. And uh, when we get their letters, we read them to the kids and we talk to them about what life might be like where they live and how it might be different from how they live. And so just trying to give our kids a little bit of eye-opening experiences um, through those letters is one way so that they can see that. We also support other um, missions. So obviously we support Nexus International. I see that guy sitting here. So (laughs) whenever Paul sends his um, letters, we read those together and pray for the things that Paul's asking for prayer for. We usually do that like around the dinner table or at night before bed. Mm. Whenever you can get your kids still is when we typically do that. And then um, another thing that we do is we also give through a mission missions called World Help, which is one of the ones that you mentioned. And we give specifically to a refugee crisis portion of that ministry. And so refugee is a word that our kids are learning. They're hearing it in school. It's mm. in the news. And so teaching our kids, what does it mean to be a refugee? And how, how hard would that be to go to a country, live in a country where you don't know the language, where you don't know anybody, where you're, you're torn away from your family. And so just teaching them what that word means. So kind of, I guess there's an awareness part there for our Mm. kids is probably a big thing. Um, we're also developing awareness through what we read. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So if you have any good podcasts on unreached people group or missions, send them my way because I would love to listen. So I like to just become aware and then know what kind of things to talk to my kids about. Um, and then I guess the last way that we get our kids involved too is if there's ever anything in the news like the earthquake in Turkey is when I think about the Ukraine war which has been happening for over a year so when those big things are happening in the news like talking to our kids about them engaging in that and then as we feel led also giving um, Samaritan's Purse Mm -hmm. and World Help are two great organizations that are typically where the hardest things Mm -hmm. are happening and so you can just get on their website and donate directly to that um, fund that they've built, you know, to support whatever's going going on there, and just encouraging our kids um, to build an awareness for the world outside of East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So you, you've given us a great picture of the kind of the different dynamics of what that looks like in your family. But why is that important to you and Jeremy? Give us the why. Yeah. So um, the why is because if you read through Scripture from beginning to end, which I've um, I'm in my second time through the Bible this year. And if you haven't read through the Bible, reach me after service. I'll tell you about a cool podcast you can, that'll help, help you go through it. But um, if you go back all the way to Genesis 12, so I have it open right here. And the Lord is talking to Abram. And he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Mm. So the Lord has had a heart for the nations from the very beginning. It's not like he was like, oh, well, when Jesus comes, then I'll have a heart for the nations. Like this is Genesis. This is the very beginning. And you can go back beyond, you know, into Genesis 1 through 11. There's Mm -hmm. a heart for the nations there too. Mm -hmm. But um, 
it, God is not just a God of America. God, the church is growing rapidly everywhere. And we really want our kids um, to grow up understanding that and knowing that. We had an opportunity a few years ago to take our oldest son, Everett, to India. We went with some friends um, that we had made in Texas. They were going back home to visit family, and so we went with them. And just allowing him to see that the world is not all what his like little world mm-hmm. is. It's mm-hmm. much, much bigger than that. And so God has a heart for the nations, so we should have a heart for the nations. Yeah, that's good. Thank you very much. Give them a hand, please. Thank you all for sharing. Appreciate that. Callie and Allie, come on, come on up here. We got a couple of other folks uh, that are going to come join us. Uh, these two young ladies uh, have been traveling. Uh, over the last few months and been on some trips where they went out to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And so uh, this is Allie Faye. She's going to share a little bit first. So, so tell us about your trip, where you went, what you did, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I went to... It's on. Yep, go ahead. So I went to Thailand um, January 22nd to the 26th. Oh, sorry. They must have turned it off. <laughs> Ryan, why'd you turn it off? Gosh. Um, So my name is Allie. I went on a missions trip with my Nana, an organization she went with, to Thailand, June, not June, (laughs) January 22nd to the 26th, and we did Bible classes for the little kids while the missionary parents all over Asia were going in meetings to just get support financially and get supplies to go back out to be missionaries because breathe. You're doing good. Keep going. <laughs> You're doing fine. Um, so, yeah, every day we would do Bible stories with the kids. We would, you know, do like the little motions with songs and we would just, I don't know, we'd have really good connections with these little kids and there's all these pictures of um, just doing arts and crafts and getting to know them because as missionary kids, it is tough for them. It mm-hmm. is Culture shock-wise, it is difficult. They have to learn their languages, and they move to different countries every couple months or so, depending on their parents, because they have to go where their parents go, where their Mm. parents are called. They're called to go with them, and it is difficult for the kids. So it was neat hearing their stories, because some of them know, like, four different languages fluently, Mm. and so it was like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know Spanish, and (laughs) you guys know, like, Mandarin and just really neat and so it opened up your eyes too a little bit yeah Yeah. (laughs) plus you all bless them by giving them a place to get refreshed and encouraged before they got sent back out yeah so what made you want to go so I always had a heart serving and loving others like my mom does and my parents and family have always gone on mission trips since I was really little so seeing them go out and just I don't know, share Jesus with people has just always been something I've seen. And so when I had the opportunity to go, because I was old enough, I was like, yeah, I would love to go. And so That's great. Yeah. That's good. So how did the trip change you? How did it make you more like Jesus participating? So it helped me to like learn to completely rely on Jesus more because there was a lot that went into going on this trip. I had three weeks of school I missed, and I go to a private school. So they weren't very lenient on letting me go because (laughs) it was a lot. I missed a lot of school, so I ended up having to leave school after I came back because it was really tough. But um, I doubted I would be able to go because financially and stuff, because it was a lot of money for me to raise and support. And you guys 
helped so much because um, the last Sunday I was here, Joel asked if you guys could support me as a church. And we raised over, I think, $2,000 for Mm. that. So that was huge because when I was in Saudi Arabia, we missed our flight. And I needed $2,000 for a ticket. And so, Mm. yeah, without you guys, I would not have been back to the States. I would have been stuck. (laughs) So God knew all that ahead of time, didn't he? Yeah. Way to go. Thank you, Allie. Appreciate you sharing. Callie Coleman. Uh, been here for a long time, growing up here in this church, and you're an ETSU student now. And so you had an opportunity uh, not to go overseas, but you stayed in country, but you got to see a lot of people from overseas. So tell them about your experience. Um, I got to go to Clarkston, Georgia. I went with my campus ministry at ETSU called The Well, and we went through an organization called Sin Relief. And in Clarkson, I think it's over 120 people groups represented there. It's a lot. Um, After World War II, it became like a relocation center. And so it's very diverse. I met people from Burma, Guatemala, places I'd never heard of. It was (laughs) crazy experience. And um, while we were there, Sin Relief set up our whole week. We got to do different projects. We worked with um, just different local refugee ministries, like after-school tutoring, um, and just spending time with kids and doing devotions. And we did a community food drive. Um, That happens once a week. So we were just there to help out that one week. But we got to pray over everybody in line and talk to them. And then we were just sent out into the community to simply talk. Um, We didn't always get the opportunity to share the gospel, but just a friendly face. And I know a few of my um, friends that were on my trip with me actually did get to share the gospel, and they were sharing the gospel via Google Translate. So just goes to show, like, you have the technology to share. And we also got to work with an organization called Renew World Outreach. They're an engineering or technology company, and we help them package backpacks that are going to be sent to Kenya. And this technology shares the gospel, and I think... I don't even know how many languages, but it's set up to share this, um, to share the gospel in different languages, and the technology can be used in the third world countries. So we help them package, I think, over 500 of these backpacks, and they told us, you know, this would have taken us two weeks, and y'all did it in one day. So Mm -hmm. we got to do that, and while we were there, Sin Relief also was just talking to us about the refugee experience and how to not pity them, but have compassion and be thankful and grateful for your own experience living in America and just the loss that they might experience and all that. Yeah, sure, (laughs) sure. So that's a lot of things you got to do. And it was just a week or five days or something like that? Yeah, it was over our spring break. Over spring break, (laughs) good. So so what made you want to go? Um, I have always wanted to go overseas for missions, but just haven't had that door opened yet. So I felt like God was nudging me of like, hey, like you said, this is a time to go not out of the country, but it's like going out of the country because it's so diverse in Clarkston. And I thought of excuses as to why I couldn't spend my spring break on this, but I felt like God was like, just stop giving excuses Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. commit and say yes and go. So, yeah. Good. So you said yes. <laughs> and besides all the experiences you had down there and you helping to impact other people, how did it impact you? How did it change you? 
Um, so many different ways. Um, I think it definitely opened my mind to the small little world that I live in in Johnson City and Kingsport to open my eyes to other people around me and um, just the experiences that refugees go through. And also, this I loved how Sin Relief was not just making it about missions worldwide, but also preparing us to share the gospel when we got back home because it was a a big emphasis on what are you going to take away from this trip and not just making it a one-week trip how are you going to share the gospel and um they kind of did like a boot camp for us almost of like practice sharing the gospel with the people in and on my trip and we would just practice talking with each other and sharing as if we would mm-hmm. it was somebody else so we learned about that and they taught us about praying for the unbelievers in our lives daily and how we were going to go back home and they said the next time you see this unbeliever in your life are you how are you going to share the gospel how are you going to tell them mm-hmm. about this so i think the biggest way it changed me was it got me out of my comfort zone of sharing the gospel with not only people i don't know but people i do know in my sure. life that are unbelievers sure the people that are right around you mm-hmm. that's great give them a hand thank you for sharing this morning appreciate that thank you uh, a couple more folks tim and and uh paul come on up here This is Tim Pitts walking up here, and Tim is part of our uh, Ukrainian resettlement team, and there's a whole group of people from this church that, gosh, has it been over a year? Yes. It's been over a year, have been working with a Ukrainian family that we kind of sponsored here at Grace Fellowship, and uh, uh, there's not just one family, there's a couple different family dynamics that are involved in this, so just wanted Tim to give you an update. Again, this is our missional reach not having to go overseas, but people who have come to us. And so, Tim, give them a little update of what's happening with that team and with that, the, the families involved. Okay. Yes, about uh, 13 months ago, uh, we had an opportunity uh, because of a turn of events. Uh, we were going to be doing Afghan uh, resettlement, but it changed to Ukrainian resettlement. And we, we brought this uh, before the elders uh, and Joel and staff. And uh, they were, you know, strongly supportive to, to do this. Um, and so uh, Grace Fellowship, you know, stepped out in faith to, to help uh, this family to provide a safe place for them and to help them through the trauma of the experience that they had been through. Um, and so in April, just this past April, uh, we had a celebration uh, of a year since Anatoly and Luba and Peter and Allah and Natalie had come, and a little bit later, uh, Vladimir, uh, uh, since they had arrived in the United States. And so uh, at the celebration, Anatoly read a statement to us, and I want to read that to you. He said, uh, first of all, I would like to thank you for the enormous amount of help and attention you have given us. You did everything to make our arrival as smooth as possible. If I were to tell the story of our stay here, I'm sure many wouldn't believe it could happen. If you were to calculate the probability of everything happening exactly as it did from the beginning of the war until this moment, I think it would be like winning the lottery. Being in the basement with a child in my arms in complete darkness for several days, constantly hearing and feeling the explosions of shells, 
I prayed that God would let us escape unharmed. I was willing to give up everything I owned for this. I am grateful this prayer was answered. I am grateful there are open-hearted people who are willing to help, and the value and the value of their kind words cannot be overstated. We will be happy to help any of you any time we can. We will be happy to give our attention and assistance any time of day or night. So you can see from Anatoly's uh, statement that you, GFC, has, you have been a good Samaritan to them. You have been a neighbor to them. You have blessed this family so much. And I just want to really thank you. I want to share this first, Deuteronomy 10.13. It says, He defends the cause of the faithless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you. Give them food and clothing. When, Je when Jesus finished telling the story of the Good Samaritan, he said, go and do likewise. And that is what this church has done. There's been so many of you to help in so many ways. And I just want to say thank you. And I also want to share that Luba will be having a baby boy uh, in, in August. Yeah, it's great. Exciting. Very exciting. And so can you, can you give an update on what, what the family's doing in terms of, I know they've been trying to look for work, and that's been a huge process for the last year, but these are people that want to get involved in our society and culture and be contributors to what's going on here. So yes. any update on um, that? Yes. Um, so, um, you know, they are very hard workers. They are used to coming from a culture where they work six days a week and probably 10 or 12 hours plus a day. And so, uh, you know, having work and not being able to work for a long time, not being able to have work permits, but uh, they were able to begin working in about January, I think it was, maybe December. And then, um, um, so um, Anatoly has been, you know, doing various jobs and Luba also uh, doing DoorDash. Uh, but there are some things going on with immigration papers and trying to get that worked out. So, um, yeah, uh, Anatoly needs work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a process. A, it's, a, it's a major pro process. Yeah. So, yeah. So be praying yes. for them to yeah. find work that they want to, they desire to do. They're yes. they're trying. Yep. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. great. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate the update today. Paul Wingfield. Uh, for those of you that are new to, to Grace Fellowship, Paul is one of the missionaries that our mission team uh, supports, and uh, uh, he's one of us uh, here at Grace Fellowship. He and his family, and uh, so I wanted to give uh, him an opportunity to just give us an update on his mission work, that he's a missionary to youth workers in Latin America. And that's probably something new for some of our folks. So explain a little bit about what you do and what's been happening lately. Uh, yeah, so I work for an organization called Nexus International, and our whole focus is on reaching young people uh, around the world, but I work within the region of Latin America, um, from Central America and South America, all of it, <laughs> and the islands. We can't forget about them. Mm -hmm. um, but... The reason and how we reach young people, right, is and, and why we, we want to go after young people is because when we look at the resources that are spent for youth ministry in the entire world, 95% of the world's resources for youth ministry are spent inside of the United States, but 97% of the world's youth are outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so there's this huge need for just for, for young people to, they don't have the resources, you know, around the world like that we do here. 
And um, also, they, the leadership, m- most often the, the capable men and women uh, in these countries, they don't feel like there's a lot of hope in their country. And so oftentimes they, they come to the United States seeking better opportunity, education, um, just, a, just more opportunities uh, to have a better life. Um, and 80% of the leaders that come here uh, don't ever go back home. So we've created this leadership vacuum where we suck all of these capable um, leaders here to the United States, to the United States, further kind of increasing that gap that, man, these young people just, they don't have resources and they don't, they're losing capable leaders to stay in country and care for them and kind of cast this vision of, man, hey, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And what does it look like to, um, man, walk closely with him and grow and mature in him? So the way we do that is we, we look for what we call catalytic leaders, catalytic indigenous leaders. And a catalytic leader is somebody that we would define as that has the opportunity to influence a culture, the opportunity to influence their community. And we look to partner with those people. Um, we want to walk with the people who are you know, walking with the young people. Um, because we found that's the easiest way and the best way, really, for us to be able to reach a culture and a community. And so uh, right now in Latin America, I mean, we have, I was just looking at our, our, we call it our Matthew 9 list, and I was looking at, we have like 90 names on our Matthew 9 list, Um, some of which are at different stages, you know, of leadership and influence within their communities. Um, a lot of these these partners that we have, um, they're working within a church. They're not all paid staff. Um, they're just volunteers, right, giving their time because they have a passion and a calling to, to lay their lives down for, for these young people there. And so we've been, uh, I just got back from Honduras in March, and we were doing a training there. So a kind of a way that we walk with these leaders uh, is we, we want to do four things. We want to equip we want to empower, encourage, and then sometimes when it's, it's necessary to exhort them, right? Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that their, their walk with Jesus is the most important thing in their life. Um, because if it's not, it's really easy to get distracted by the work of ministry and how many kids are we having coming, like all these programs that we have to do. But if their heart is not there, if they are not rooted in Jesus, then everything's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so our job is really specific to step in and care for the heart of the leader. Uh, if, if, I, if this were an elevator pitch, I would say, and you asked me what I did, I would say that we keep youth leaders and youth pastors alive in ministry uh, in Latin mm-hmm. America. Um, and that's a really long process. It takes years to do. And that's our commitment to these leaders is forming these long-term discipling relationships with them where we just care for them. Um, and I, so I go overseas uh, at, at a minimum of five trips a year. I go see my partners five times a year. Um, what's, the, what's the next one? So the next one, I'm in Costa Rica um, in June. Mm-hmm. So um, Costa Rica, June 30th through July 7th or 8th. Uh, then I go back to Honduras the first week of August, and then I'm in Mexico in November. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really cool. This has been my first year, so I, uh, this is actually, what, 10 months ago that uh, I stepped down from staff here, turned the torch over to my man Kyle over here, mm-hmm. uh, who's killing it in youth ministry, by the way. <laughs> um, and it's been a really cool opportunity to just to step into the, the fullness of this work that I feel called to with Nexus and um, just being with my friends, being with these leaders overseas and just, you know, seeing them do ministry, but hearing, man, just the, the, the trials and the struggles that they're facing and being able to just pray with them, to cry with them, to laugh with them and, and just be present and care for them and say, hey, 
Yeah, man, it's okay. Keep going. God is good. Keep, and, let's keep going. And while you're in country here, you're, you're also staying in touch with them through right. Zoom and WhatsApp. everything else. Yep, yeah. we're, we're texting. We're, so w- the training that we just did in Honduras, um, there was about, there were two regions or two cities, um, Siguatapeque and La Ceiba, that we had leaders in. And so we did this training with the, our two primary leaders and their leaders that they're walking with. And we're going to be starting a, a two-year process with them of going three times a year to train mm-hmm. and equip them uh, to make disciples among young people uh, in their country. So the next time I'll go back is in August to do the second training for that, um, which will be really cool. I'm right. really excited for that. So. Well, Paul, we appreciate what you're doing. We're glad you're a part of Grace Fellowship. And if you want to talk more with Paul after the service, he'll be out and about and would love to talk to you more about his ministry if you have some questions. So thank you, guys. Appreciate you all. Well, just a couple other things that we want to kind of let you in on real quick. Uh, One thing from our mission team, they have decided to to sponsor uh, uh, a new missionary. We had a couple go off uh, our uh, sponsorship list because they came back home to the States. uh, And they've added uh, somebody by the name of Christine Lewis. And this is kind of her introduction uh, to you all. Uh, as you can see there, she's serving in Spain and North Africa. She works uh, primarily with a woman shelter uh, that reaches out to Muslim women uh, who are kind of refugees in that area. So can't go into too many specifics there. But she's learning, she knows Spanish, she's learning Arabic, she's to be able to work with these women. Uh, also helping with some people that are planning churches in that area, uh, both for Spanish-speaking and uh, Arabic-speaking uh, communities there. And so uh, we're excited to, to uh, uh, be a part of her mission work as well. And actually, you're going to hear from her in just a minute. So I'll share that with uh, something else coming up. Uh, the last thing... Uh, before we well, we finish up here, is uh, um, we have a trip that's getting ready to head to El Salvador in July. And one of the things they do each year is they collect money to be able to purchase Bibles to give to all the people that come through. Uh, it's a medical mission trip, so all the people that are coming for mental or mental work, medical work, <laughs> or they do some eyeglass stuff there too. Uh, they take money from here, and they take the money down to El Salvador because you can purchase more Bibles, plus it helps their economy. So we want to spend money in country. So they're collecting funds for that. So if you would like to help uh, uh, raise up some funds, you can write a check or go to our website, and there's a way you can put it on the memo line there online or on your check, and uh, just say it's for El Salvador Bibles on there. Uh, make the check out to Grace Fellowship Church, though, and uh, we'll make sure all that money gets to them uh, here over the next few weeks. And so uh, with that, um, you know, we, you've heard a lot about what God is doing in the world today and how much, uh, you also need to know how much people appreciate what you do, whether it's prayers or writing letters of encouragement or sending your, a little bit of money that you sponsor somebody with or somebody you've decided to adopt, it makes a difference. And so uh, our missionaries that we support have put together a little message for you. So let's watch this. Good morning, Grace Fellowship. Morning. We want you guys to know how grateful we are for your sacrifices of time and in terms of praying for us and giving financially. Really, you enable us to 
be here and to do this thing we love to do. Um, we, your, your prayer support and financial support allows us to be Christians, to be followers of Jesus here in this country where there's just not that many followers of Jesus and to really get to know people who don't know Jesus. Um, and as we get to know them, as we hear their stories and become close friends, we're able to see them as Jesus sees them and we're able to love them with his love. And it's just the coolest thing for us. And we're just so thankful. Grace Fellowship, thank you so much for your prayers, your support, the partnership that we share as we serve Afghans in Afghanistan and the places where they have scattered the diaspora locations as we share the gospel, as we make disciples, as we train disciple makers and church planners, as we're involved in Bible translation and social media ministries to see the gospel spread among Afghans, we could not do this without your prayers and your support. Thank you, Grace Fellowship, for the partnership that we share. May the Lord continue to bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and make his ways known to you and through you that his salvation would spread to all nations. Thank you again for your prayers. Well, hey, church family, I wanted to just take a minute and tell you guys how thankful that we are for your support over these last several years. Uh, it's been about 10 months since I stepped down from the staff team there at GFC and stepped into this role with Nexus on a full-time basis. And it's been an interesting 10 months, to say the least, uh, learning new schedules and new rhythms and new structures. Uh, it's been a journey that's been amazing and hopeful and terrifying all at the same time, which I'm sure you can understand. Uh, but there is one thing for certain, though, and that's just that the support that we have from you as the church as a whole and many of you that are personally supporting us as well, we can't do this work without you. And your support and prayer and in giving financially it really does allow us to walk in a manner worthy to what we feel like the Lord has called us to do there in Latin America. So thank you, thank you, thank you sincerely from the bottom of our hearts for partnering with us and walking with us in this journey called Nexus. We love you guys and are, and are just grateful for your investment in our ministry, but in our lives as well. So we love you, GFC. Hola, Grace Fellowship at Kingsport. My name is Christine and I'm living and serving here in Spain. I've been here just a little over two years and working in um, discipleship, helping to start a new church in the northern province of Spain and serving the refugees and immigrants that come primarily from North African countries. And so I just wanted to send a quick video and thank you for your support and your prayers. I really could not be here doing this work without you all. And so thank you for being a part of the mission and thank you for being a part of making disciples both there in the Tri-Cities and here in Spain and all around the world. Um, I hope to meet you one day when I'm back in the States or when you come to Spain one day. Adios. I want to thank you for the faithful support that you have been pouring in to one of our missionaries on the field in Punjab, India. Your continued prayer, financial investment, and the encouragement that it gives in the life of the missionary you support to stay on the front lines as the Chief Operations Officer of our work throughout the nation of India and in the state of Punjab. Your investment is going far beyond your dollars and it is making ripples and waves going out to distant shores for the unreached to know Jesus. 
Well, there you have it. Uh, the impact that, that you all are making around the world, just from a few folks. So I want to say thank you. Uh, hopefully this gives you a greater picture of what the kingdom of God looks like uh, and what you're doing both locally and globally because of your influence. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.